When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Shitface on the bus. Louise left me, and that son of a bitch over there keeps playing me when he knows I'm shitface. Hey guys, we're back, back again for uh, another Beers and Bruins podcast. This time with a very cool host. Um, but uh, this is uh, number seven. I think I've already said that. I don't know if I'm drunk already, but uh, <laughs> we we got uh, a lot of conversations to talk about. I'm gonna have a couple beers with a good friend of mine right here, and and a colleague at the Black and Gold Hockey. Uh, dot com website so and he's a passionate Bruins fan and he's got a great story so um, I want to welcome in uh, Chris Green uh, that's G R E E N E for the folks out there because uh, you're gonna need that when I give him his Twitter your Twitter handle he is at C Green Sports on Twitter and he's a Bruins fan from England living in Rhode Island Chris Green my friend how are you Good, Mark. How you doing? Pleasure uh, to be here. I'm good. Good. I'm, I'm excited that you uh, we finally made some time. I know I was I was going through a really bad um, uh, cold, summer cold, and it's and it's still lingering on. It's kind of going away as the cold, the weather comes around. Go figure. But uh, yeah, we didn't get to do it the last time, and I was a little disappointed. And uh, that that was particularly the time that I was supposed to go to the um, alumni game versus BCBU and uh cover that event uh as a media member and i couldn't go because i didn't feel good so we finally got got together and i'm happy mm-hmm. 
so <laughs> a very interesting story. Like I said in the intro, you're a Bruins fan from England. So tell me how that that happened. How that came about? Yeah, I mean it's it's kind of a strange story. I mean, I remember well. First things first, I'm a just a huge sports fan. All right, so um, pretty much pretty much every sport I'll watch. You know, once I understand the rules. And uh, back home as a kid, it was pretty hard to watch hockey, at least live anyway, because of the the time difference. Um, but I remember my first kind of interaction with hockey was was actually on a Nintendo 64. A friend of mine had, I don't know, it would have been NHL 90-something. And uh, we just picked that up. And, and from that moment on, I was always interested in it. You know, there was something about the the sport that stood out to me. You know, the, the physicality, the skill, uh, you know, it kind of really appealed. And, and then from there, I've always kind of had an interest. But I was largely a, a neutral, I guess you would say, because, as I, as I mentioned, there was there was not really much coverage of it back home. Uh, until I met my now wife, whose father's a big Bruins fan, and and really that was the that sealed the deal for me, and uh, yeah, here I am. That's awesome. Um, how far how far from Providence? Uh, it's from a small state, so it's not it's not very far. <laughs> I was gonna say yeah. I mean, we're probably about forty five minutes from Providence. Oh, that's not bad. Um, so so yeah, it's pretty easy. I, I was lucky enough last season to get out to a few few Providence games and I'm hoping to do the same again this year and uh, save up for some some obviously Boston Bruins games as well nice yeah let me know when you go down to some uh, Providence Bruins games I might uh, if it's a if it's a Saturday which I I believe the last time I looked at the schedule I think they had a lot more Saturday games than they have in the past so yeah. if that's if that's uh, if you're going to go to one of those let me know because I'd love to join you yeah yeah definitely um, yeah I know obviously a lot of the a lot of the team and obviously the followers and, and listeners are, are big fans too. So it'd be great to, you know, absolutely meet uh, people, I guess, go in there. So, yeah. You, you know, our, our, on our uh, Sunday program, the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast, um, our co-host Rob Tomlin, uh, he's also, mm-hmm. he, well, he actually lives in England right now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. and and he's, he's a, he got to be a huge Bruins fan from the Sega Genesis and, and uh, NHL, <laughs> like, I think 93 or something like that. And uh, and he found he's, he was telling me when when I first came, brought him on as a co-host, um, he, uh, he told me the story that the Bruins were just the hardest freaking team to play against because they just bash you. I mean, literally, they were the big bad Bruins <laughs> right, of that right. game, and that's what attracted him to it. So, and it's kind of funny that a video game got his interest into, especially you know the advancement of computers and technology and the internet, blah blah blah. You yeah. know. His his you know his fandom from that game got to be so strong that he joins us on the weekly program and he's a writer now. So I mean, it's amazing the story that it comes from because like you said, there's really not a lot of hockey in England. It's it's now becoming much bigger. But I'm sure that when you were when you were over there and and Rob as a younger child, you know there really wasn't much going on. But it's get, definitely getting popular with the EIHL. Um, and, and, you know, maybe another league comes in. I was hoping the KHL would come in and probably take a London team, but that, that would be pretty cool. Yeah, it would. I mean, it's, I know, well, I mentioned, you know, obviously a sports fan in general. Now the NFL 
sorry to bring that up, but that is doing really well in the UK right now. They've put a lot of effort in expanding it. I know they play um, games in London as well. So I, I hope that the the NHL can can maybe kind of mimic that to an extent, and you know maybe get a broadcasting deal in the UK. I think that would be uh, that would be huge because it is tricky to watch over there, but. Yeah, I mean, it's the it's the time difference is the real killer uh, with most of the games taking place, obviously, in the evenings here. But, yeah, I mean, anything to kind of grow the game, I think it can only be good for the sport, you know? Yeah, uh, I think it's time because I'm like, I'm really thirsty. So let's do this, my friend. You ready? <laughs> All right. Yeah, let's go for it. Here we go. Hopefully that got on the air yeah. or recorded. Nice crack. There you go. That was satisfying. Well, what are you drinking? What do you got uh, going down? So I am drinking a beer, or well, it's an IPA called Captain's Daughter. Um, it is from the Grey Sale Brewery, which is actually just up the street from me. So it's um, you know really local beer, I guess, to Rhode Island. I've seen them in a lot of bars around here, so I don't know how you know how far they've got yet if it, if they've made up to you. But Captain's Daughter is it is lovely stuff, but it's nine percent, so. If I start slurring a little bit later, you'll know why. <laughs> I, I I got a, a actually it's an uh, it's an IPA and it's from my hometown of Amesbury, Massachusetts, and it's called the uh, Bear Wolf Brewery, and it's called Walk It Off. So I might need to walk it off after like two or three <laughs> of these. Um, the percentage is I don't know because I'm blind. Normally these, I, I drink these, I love this, I love this brewery, and we, I normally go, like, try to get there, like, once a week and get a four-pack, but I try to get the, they have from seven point, seven points uh, to, like, nine eights, they got a really nice selection of different uh, alcohol percentages, but it's good stuff, it looks like a, um, a glass of uh, grapefruit juice, but... Yeah, this is, this is good, I'm gonna have to correct myself, actually, that- Eight point five percent. Nice. I was rounding it up there, but uh, I don't want to get uh, in trouble for false advertising. But yeah, it's um, no, it's, it's lovely. I love the stuff, and uh, I definitely recommend it. The brewery's really cool, actually, as well. If anyone's ever um, in in the westerly Rhode Island area, visit Graysale. They're really really cool guys. I'll have to check it out. Right, if we yeah. get down there. Um, yeah, talking about the uh, expanding the game. Um, what are your thoughts on the the Bruins playing over in China? Because there's a lot of people online that I've I've interacted with, especially on Twitter, uh, and and it's weird because, and I don't want to like, I don't want to, you know, segregate here, but like, like, it just seems like I find more interesting Bruins fans on Twitter that really know the game. But when you talk to Facebook, you kind of get the fly-by-day. And I know I, I do have really, really good fans on Facebook. I'm not, I'm not talking about any of you people. But there's some of those airheads out there that said, you know, why are we sending the Bruins to China? Just say no. What if they get injured? And it's like, and you think to yourself, it's like, okay, these are exhibition games that the NHL actually puts on, so you definitely have to be there and make a commitment to be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, what does it matter if you're playing over there and you hurt your ankle or you're playing at the TD Garden and you hurt your ankle? There is no difference. There is no special, you know, this isn't like, oh, hey, let's go to China and try it out. You know what I mean? This is this is actual sanctioned game that's going on, and there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, I mean... I guess, 
you know, I can, I can, to an extent, I can understand why people get concerned about um, perhaps fatigue and things with the traveling so close to the season. But you know, these 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 guys are athletes at the end of the day, and it's it's a long regular season. Um, they've had a long break. I think commercially, I think uh, China and and probably most of Southeast Asia is, is a massive market. So I can see why the NHL are keen to you know expand out there. Um, but I think you know for the players individually, it's, it's probably quite a huge kind of experience for them. You know, going to China is perhaps somebody somewhere where they wouldn't ordinarily go. Um, so I think you know I, I, I would imagine the players kind of enjoy that opportunity but as i say i think really just globalizing the game can only be a good thing because there's uh was what was it eight billion people in the world now and, yeah uh, you know who knows who the next the stars of the future are going to be or where they're going to come from so um yeah i think it's good it, it grows the fan base i like i say i can understand people being worried about fatigue but like you said you know you could get injured just kind of falling out of the shower or something you know yeah. freaking like that so yeah. really i mean you, you can't wrap these guys up in cotton wool you know it's the nature of the game it's a physical sport and you know that's how it is but on the business side you know i mean even before we we talked about we cracked these beers um you mentioned the, the football i mean i mean do you honestly think that football would be american football would be so big in england if they never went over and played those games, I mean yeah. that 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 those games that they do over there, I think it's been going on what once every for the last four years. Yeah, it may even be longer than that, you know. Yeah, um, but yeah, there's, and the thing with that is, I'm I'm ninety nine percent sure at least that those games have all sold out in London. So um, yeah, that's it, it's not like you know they're playing out there and the stadium's half full now. Wembley Stadium holds ninety thousand. So, oh, it's huge, huge. You know that if they're selling out ninety thousand tickets, then you know there's obviously a demand there. So again, moving a franchise to London, I don't know if that would be good for the the NFL. Um, but like I say, I mean, I don't want to get too much into that. Obviously, it's a it's a hockey podcast. But yeah, I mean, I really think it would be good for the game if they can they can expand it and. As I say, China's got a massive population, and you know it can only be good commercially for the NHL. Um, more money there sees you know attracting more players, and like I say, it's, it's better for the fans. Yeah, definitely. And it's it, the um, the OIG organization over there; they're close to the Bruins, um, so the OIG packaging, I believe that's what it's called. Um, all right, let's get, let's get the the little talk out of the way. It, with 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 the preseason and, and and games in China, uh, let's address the elephant in the room. Uh, you wrote an article today for the BlackAndGoldHockey.com website, which I I did not get to see, but I'm sure it's fantastic. But it was about the Boston Bruins trade and Adam McQuaid, and it's kind of um, this is like it's not breaking news, but it's more like really late news that you know might have come on, come on some dial up like like 20 years ago, uh, but. Um, you know, hey, you, you know, you broke it, and we're breaking it here on this uh, on the on the Black uh, Beers and Bruins podcast. Sorry, I get everything so screwed up. Um, so, what what do you think about this deal? And and let me let me just, I want to hear you first because then I want everybody on this. Okay, yeah, I mean, it's funny because I woke up this morning thinking, you know, I was I was gonna 
do some writing and I was kind of throwing a few ideas around in my head and then next thing you know I, I hear this that you know the Bruins uh, shipped out McQuay and initially it kind of surprised me but then when you look at the deal what they got in return um, what they freed up in terms of cap space personally though I was a fan of McQuaid I think this is a good deal for really for all parties um, I didn't think he was going to get an awful lot of ice time in the coming season I know he didn't play many games last season I think it was I think it was 38 regular season games I know he was injured a lot but just given the depth now that the Bruins have, I wasn't really anticipating, even even if he was healthy, that he'd be featuring ahead of, of most of the other guys. Um, I think the extra cap space is great. That can only be a good thing. Uh, the additional picks as well are just going to help us to continue uh, to kind of source young talent. And I actually think it's a good move for the Rangers too, because... You know, I think he can still do a job. I think he's uh, obviously a great presence in the in the kind of changing rooms and things around. You you see the reactions of a lot of the guys. I mean, I think every kind of reaction I've seen from Bruins players, they seem pretty upset. You know that he's gone. So um, I think he's he'll be a big presence for that kind of Rangers as they go through that rebuild. But um, I think really it's it's good business from from Sweeney. So uh, yeah, what do you think? I. No, I'm not sure how how far back you've been listening to us because we've been going on. We've been on the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast for about, oh, geez, I think three years now. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I just, and I know many people are gonna, not going to like this, and, and I know they never liked it, but I've never been a huge McQuaid fan. I, and it's not, and I'm not blind to his efforts. Uh, I believe he's got a heart of gold. He, he sticks up for his teammates. He does, he plays that role very well. But when you, when it comes to when you need him on the defensive side, he's a big body. He blocks shots. I get that, and I, I admire that. I really do. But as a goaltender and never a pro, I've you know I, I've done three leagues, three beer league leagues. Um, you know, growing up and, and retiring uh, about five or six years ago. But you know you. I would want to see those shots. So I, I just don't see the need for a, a huge shot blocker anymore. And if you look at the shot blockers in the league now, like like uh, Russell, um, I'm not sure his first name. Is it Chris Russell? I, I think he played for Calgary or something like that. And I know the Bruins. I mean, Bruins fans are like, we should get this guy. He blocks a ton of shots, and he was like the the league leader last year. Um, but you also your heart and you know you're you're willing to put your body out there can get you injured too yeah. uh you know more more ways than, than one and and you know that's what sucks is like i'd rather have a healthy adam mcquade that would play 82 games um but i i like you know i love the heart that he puts out there and blocks a shot and gets injured and he's out for like three you know that, that doesn't really yeah. work for me so and let's i'm not discrediting his his play in boston i just i look at many angles so you know some fans are are adam mcquaid fans and they're pissed off but they're also not looking at what his 2.5 million that they shed off of it off of the contract can do in the future and i believe personally and and again not in the room i don't know what's going on behind closed doors but as a fan and, and looking trying to look through the cracks i i see them 
you know, making money available for, you know, next summer, they're going to have to talk to, like, Jake DeBrusque, McAvoy, Heinen, Donato. You, I mean, you have to have all available funds for these kind of guys that are coming in because now this team is your future, and these guys are pushing people like McQuaid out. So, it, I mean, it, you got to look at it as a business. I get the fandom, but... You know, it, it, look at the future. I mean, if the Bruins have a good season next se- next year and, and, and they're strong defensively, are you really going to remember Adam McQuaid? Mm-hmm. Exactly. I, I think, personally, I mean, generally, I think those guys that kind of leave everything on the ice, give 110%, you know, willing to put their bodies on the line – tend to be popular with the fans you know because at the end of the day that's what we want to see you know we we put our our uh, our efforts our money and 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 in supporting the team and we love to see that back when when the players that we're rooting for are are giving it all or giving it their all i should say now with mcquade i mean he's been on the Bruins since 2007 so he's been here a long time and exactly like you said you have to look to the future and this is where I think Sweeney now is really going to kind of show us whether or not he's a good GM or a great GM. Because it's one thing building a team that can do well for two or three seasons, but it's another thing building a team that through different generations consistently can challenge for the playoffs. And exactly like you mentioned, there's some big players next season that are going to be in contract years that really we want to be holding down for as long as we can. And if you're spending two and a half million on a guy that is going to play less than half the regular season, and like you say, because he's he's hurt all the time, in this era, you can't afford to to have guys like that, you know? I mean, everybody was was criticising Bacchus or has been criticising Bacchus for the same thing. You know, he, he has a big contract and... Really, you know, you're looking at now, is he is he worth it? Probably not. And I am a fan of Bacchus, but I don't think he can justify that deal. So you have to look towards the young guys, look at what you've got in the cap, and if you've got no room to negotiate, I think the guys that are upset now that we've lost McQuaid would be more upset if, you know, guys like DeBrusque, uh, McAvoy started walking next season because we couldn't afford them, you know? Exactly, and, and that's another great angle that you just brought in. And, and and when you talk about McAvoy and so on, it, it's the youth. And, you know, it, it, we have so much. I mean, there's so many Bruins fans that I that I interact with on, on a regular basis that don't believe in, in the developing youth. They think it's, it's, it's overrated. But they believe it or not, these players are knocking on, NH, on the door of making NHL careers. And players like McCoy, whether it happened next summer or it happened today, had to be moved. And unfortunately, and I said it on the on the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast, uh, episode 97 on Sunday, I think this has to be, it has to be the last year's Dana Shara. And, and, I'm, and again, I'm not saying it because I don't like the player, but that, you know, his $5 million salary, that is going to be so valuable in, in, in retaining some of those players that you, you know, that you brought up. So, it really makes sense to me, 
And, and another thing is, like, when you're talking about bringing defensemen in and so on, like John Moore, you bring him in for a really cap-friendly 2.5 for five years. I think that he was going to be the repl- he is going to be the replacement for a player like McQuaid, or maybe even a higher role, not a captain, but a higher role on the on the on the defensive core when Chara might not come back after next season. Yeah, I I really agree with that. I mean, when when the news kind of broke about the the John Moore deal initially. You know, I wasn't. Oh, kinda... it was pandemonium. It was like NHL Bruins freak out. Yeah, and and everyone was kind of like, you know, really is this the you know? But in my opinion, now the dust has settled and I kind of looked into it, I can kind of see, you know, or I think anyway, I can see what Sweeney's trying to do, and I I think exactly that. You know, John Moore is kind of going to be the senior guy. He's got a few seasons under his belt. They've got him tied down, like you say, very cap friendly, two point five mil. Um, and I think he is going to kind of almost inherit maybe that role in the locker room that some senior guys who probably aren't going to be around for too much longer. I mean, I, I wrote a piece for uh, for Black and Gold a while back um, about Char and why I think giving him an extra year is a good deal. And one of the points I made in that was that I think both him and McQuaid wouldn't have been re-signed at the end of next season, freeing up space to you know negotiate with your McAvoy's your DeBrusques Donato's and, and and so on so the way the league is now with the cap you you really can't afford to you know carry players unless they're going to be producing for most of the regular season now injuries can happen um again that's part of the game but do we really think McQuaid was going to be around for another deal after this year anyway I think we would have been saying goodbye probably at the end of the season so um, personally I think this is a, like I say a good move for everybody it frees up that cap space it is sad to see him go and you know obviously I'd love to have him around but for that money and the benefits now that I think the team will will have from freeing up that cap space I think it, I think it's a, a no-brainer for me yeah absolutely and it's, like I said it's just it's just good for it you know the sustainability of our future i mean we are seamlessly in a in like a retooling on the fly kind of thing and i'm still going to say that whether you whether listeners out there agree or not i mean this bruins team is doing it by the book they're really developing well they're not giving up on the youth yet i don't believe that they should i mean Oh, I hate, I hate, I hate talking about this, Chris. But it, it it bothers me sometimes when people say that if you haven't, if you haven't made the NHL in your in in one game in your entry level contract, then you're a bust. Do you do you, do you find any um uh, do you find that valid at all? Well, here's the thing. I mean, if, if people are saying that, I, just to kind of throw this out there, McQuaid was traded to the Bruins in 2007. And he was down in the AHL for two seasons before he, he established himself in the Boston Bruins lineup. So that right there shows you it's it's a long game. Developing players doesn't happen overnight. You know, it, it's a long process. Um, personally, I prefer that system of kind of bringing your own players through, nurturing them and, and coaching them and, and hopefully allowing them to fulfill their p- potential. But... Obviously, you're going to get these kind of 
freaks of nature that get drafted and they go get thrown straight in and and can produce but you know we don't see too many players like that you know often so yeah i'm i'm much more kind of in the long game like i say if sweeney can consistently produce a, a talented competitive roster for a long period of time to me that's that's what you want from your gm rather than a guy that's just going to go all in sign all the free agents overpay everybody and yeah you might be competitive for a year or two but guess what when everybody retires or you can't afford them anymore you're just on the scrap heap and then you've got a long rebuild and that is that's not really what we want as fans i mean i can understand the couple bus philosophy but personally if we can just continue to just develop and improve year on year and be competitive, be within a chance of getting to the the Eastern Finals, for me, I'm I'm happy. Yeah, and, and me as a Bruins fan, it's just like the obsesses about looking at things from so many angles and not one narrative. You know what I mean? I just I just find that. Players like Zach Sinishin that are getting a bad rap, and I, I like this kid. I've talked, I've talked to this kid several times when in in in, in interviews, and he's just he's just got a real good demeanor to him. He wants to work hard. He wants to learn. He's a sponge. He's just, I mean, he's playing roles that the coaches are putting him in, and he's excelling at what their expectations are. I think in a higher role. Um, maybe this year, Jay Leach gives him a chance to really shine on the first line. I think he's really going to see what he's what he's really capable of, and he might even be that right wing guy down the road that you really want to insert in the lineup in a top six. Maybe next to Krejci if he's still around. Who knows? Um, but you know, if you can have sustainability in your, in your minor program, that's fine with me. I mean. If you don't make it to the NHL, you will have a role in this organization. And I appreciate every hard-working player, whether it comes from the NHL, the AHL, or even a couple players down the East Coast Hockey League, where they are is important to the league and the development. It, it, you really have to pay attention to that and not just come out and say, well, Jesus, they haven't made the, the freaking NHL in, in three years. You know why do we why do we pick him? Why do we pass up on Barzell, Connor, and 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 all these other uh, great players that are that are probably in the NHL right now? You know what I mean? It's just yeah. There's there are rules for every level of hockey that need to be that need to be you know inserted. So um, I just that's a, that's a tough one for me to 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 really. I mean, even on Twitter when people say that, I'm like. You know, they're playing a role down at the end. Well, the ultimate goal is the NHL. And it's like, yeah, that's their goal, but they're not reaching that right now. But they're also being a great teammate and, you know, being a team player in an organization no matter what level. So Yeah, I, I think it's important to have, uh, you know, to, or sorry, to be competitive at every level. Um, I mean, we, you know, we mentioned earlier how small the rosters are. Um, with the cap, how competitive it is really to get into the NHL, you know, it, it's it's an achievement in itself. But these guys obviously have the dream of getting there. They all want to. Now, realistically, not everybody who picks up the stick is going to make it. You one percent, one percent is um, is has been said in in many books that I've read. One percent of all hockey players make the NHL, and that's a it's a big world, people. Exactly, and and. 
well, especially with what we said earlier about, you know, expanding the game, it makes it even tougher, you know. But but these guys will give it all, their all. And for me, one of the big questions now is is the third line centre. And, you know, there's a lot of names being thrown around, you know, guys that have come through, the, uh, through playing for Providence. There's not many teams in the NHL that have a gap in their roster and can look at their AHL affiliate um, and and have candidates that you can you could say yeah I can see them playing in the NHL. For me, that shows the kind of longevity in Sweeney's system. The fact that we've got guys that you could see realistically being pulled up and and slotted in. Um, you you can't ask for more than that. For me, you mentioned earlier sustainability. It's a great thing to have. I would much rather produce our own our own players and be able to pick from our own talent within the organization than have to go into the free agency, you know, to give up a big asset in the trade market. Yeah, cuz the, the 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 whole cap, the cap is going to play a big part in that too. When you bring yeah. in a guy, he's not going to come in at a cap friendly deal. He's already been in the NHL, he wants to get paid. Yeah. And and at the end of the day, you know, hockey can be a short career, so I don't begrudge players for wanting money. But generally, most free agents, I think, get overpaid. Um, and that's just the reality of the game. You know, if you're in popular demand, you, you're basically going to go to the highest bidder, you know? Right. So if you have guys that are hungry for NHL hockey, you've got them playing in Providence at, and a good standard as well. I think Leach, Leach gets a lot out of those guys. That's perfect for me. You can you can bring a guy in. He can he can fill a role, maybe cover an injury for a while, then go back down, and then in a year or two, when players move on and you can promote players from within, it's a much better system. Yeah, yeah, and and when you're talking about that third line center, I mean, and the depth that we have, I mean, this this Bruins team just seems to to breed centers uh, uh, through drafting and like you said, and, and through entry level deals and. But I mean, JFK, Trent Frederick, uh, Jack Stanika. I know he's not playing in the AHL yet. Um, Cameron Hughes can play center. Uh, Juno Companion can play center. Carson mm-hmm. Coleman can play center. Uh, Colby Cave can play center. And it, it, well, actually, Colby Cave. Yeah, yeah, he can actually. Because mm-hmm. he's on a two-way deal, but. You know, I mean, there's so many people that can be inserted if there's an injury that happens or, you know, how the prospect um, pyramid, uh, per se, works. You know what I mean? So yeah. when, when, when one veteran like Krejci might be uh, coming up in, in three more years, might not be a Bruin, you know, you could fit in very well if you don't want to go through that uh, free agent uh, frenzy, like you were mentioning earlier, and spend money. You can go in really cap-friendly. And, uh, and and address some of those the funds the cap funds that the Bruins might have in other areas of need like defense or goaltending or whatever it happens at that particular time. Um, but I'm a I'm a big component of what you what you said is let let you know let's save that cap space but also you know give this plethora of of youth that the Bruins team have a chance at the NHL to prove and see what they can do because I mean. I I thought Jake DeBrusque was a good prospect. And I watched him a lot in the WHL. I watched him in his first year. 
at the uh, with the AHL Bruins, and no way did I ever think that he'd have the year he had last season if he didn't play in the AHL. But you know, I mean, my point is, you got to give him an opportunity. The Bruins gave Jake DeBrusque an opportunity, and he ran with it. I think that they need to do that with a lot more of their younger players and not give them up uh, to get something that you're overpaying for and a player that might not be happy here, i.e., you know, Antony Panarin. Yeah, exactly. I think DeBrusque has been a great example of, of what can happen you know when you when you give the young guys some faith and confidence and and give them a chance you know not everybody's going to work out i mean we saw throughout the season with uh with frank petrano you know he played in a few games and i i wasn't his biggest fan and then you know he moved on and but here's the thing but that shows me that sweetie's not afraid to move guys on you know give them a chance if it doesn't look like they're going to make it, well, we got a whole pool of other guys. There's plenty more fish in the sea, you know, to use that term. Um, I, I think we, we're we're lucky to have that talented pool. I mean, going back to what I said earlier about free agency and potentially over overpaying guys, I know everybody obviously is talking and reacting right now to the uh, to the McQuaid trade. I had a little thought just before we started recording this that right now we've got. Uh, around five million, right, in, in cap space, and I just kind of had this sudden panic that they were freeing that up to potentially offer Rick Nash a deal. What do you think about that? Oh, about I'm sorry about what I I, I missed that. Sorry. So so right now we have about five million cap space after this McQuaid trade, right? Yeah, and then. I was just kind of thinking about potential moves that the Bruins might make and questions we have. And then for some reason, Rick Nash popped into my head and I just had this panic that we were going to go and, and waste all that space on him. What do you think about that? Oh, I, I uh, like re-signing him? Yeah, yeah. I don't believe that's going to happen. No, I hope not. I, I mean, he, he technically right now he's a UFA and he, he has the right to sign anywhere he wants if he decides to come back to play in the NHL. I don't believe that the Bruins would be interested in entertaining something like that um, just by the way that, you know, it happened. I mean, unfortunately, he's got his bell rung. He's thinking about his family right now. And I respect I respect what he did before July 1st when he told his agent to tell teams back off. Just please back off. Let me let me please have this time with my family to figure it out. Um you know, if the Bruins bring him back and they believe and doctors believe that he can still, you know, add something to this this Bruins organization, I mean, who am I to say if they do resign him? It's, I mean, it's going to start – I mean, some folks are going to be happy about it. I, I, I'm on the fence, honestly. I'm seriously on the fence about bringing him back because I'm not sure if, if he still has it. And – Another thing is, like, you know, when he got traded here, you see the narrative on Twitter, well, look what he's done in the playoffs. And, you know, I've got to be honest. I mean, really hasn't done much in the playoffs. And I know that the, it, it's an 82-game season to get to the playoffs first. But, 
he really didn't show me a lot when he came to this team. And, and I know it's a trade deadline deal, and you really have no time to get any chemistry at all, but I, I, I would actually pass on him. I wish him the best. I really do. I feel bad for these guys with head injuries. Um, it's just, I mean, it hits home with us on the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Our co-host, Court Lalonde, has gotten his bell wrong I, 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 more than once, I believe, playing hockey. And did you just crack another beer? I did, sorry. Oh yeah. God. I got halfway to go. I got to start drinking more. Um, but anyway, you know, unfortunate for our, our co-host on the other program, I mean, this stuff happens. It, it's part of life. And I, I, I do respect him for what he's doing. And, and But I... Here's the thing: is like if you're thinking about bringing a player like that back, he's a he's an NHL veteran with with I don't know how many games he's got. It's got to be approaching a thousand because mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I if you're gonna buy into this youth movement, then let's do it. You know what I mean? Let's let's give this opportunity to one of these guys, whether it be Donato, whether it be Heinen, whether it be Senechin down maybe next season. Who knows? But you. you, you I would give them the opportunity first before bringing in a guy. At least, at least get a taste and see what they can do, and then make that that decision. You know, if this guy's not working out. Let's make a trade. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, obviously, um, going back to what you were saying about injuries and things, you know, unfortunately, it is the uh, the kind of I suppose the cruel aspect of the game. You know, and and largely sport in general. You know, injuries can can really play a huge part in, in, in an individual's life. With regards to Rick Nash, I mean... Would you bring him back? Like, what's that, sorry? Would you resign him? If you no. were, If you were Don Sweeney, would you do it? No. Okay. No. I wouldn't even consider... It's just the thought just kind of came into my mind about the, the possibility, so I just thought I'd bring it up. But, yeah. I mean, somebody like Rick Nash, I mean, when, when we traded him, I, I was pretty optimistic you know i thought you know this is a guy who you know would be considered a a good a good player and i thought maybe he could give us that extra edge which i felt we would possibly need further down the line obviously it you know it didn't work out right um i liked ryan spooner but again you know looking at the cap and and the way the, the roster was shaping up i think nobody really expected him to be re-signed anyway so it, it wasn't really a, a huge loss it was that first round pick that really cost cost us I think but you know Nash didn't work out and for me that kind of reinforces what we were saying earlier because you know somebody like Vetrano doesn't really look like it's working out well you can trade them you can let them go and it doesn't really cost the organization a huge amount somebody like Nash who you know probably on the face of things didn't work out well it's cost us a first round pick you know, a decent player in Spooner, who, like I said, I was a fan of. He was he was scoring some goals, and and you know, I think I hope he I hope he does well for the Rangers. But it's much more cost effective to produce your own talent. Um, with regards to to Nash, you know, obviously I wish him well. I think I think he was quite brave actually to you know kind of kind of tell his agent to tell people to back off. It's it's something that you don't really see a whole lot because. Um, because NHL players are tough, um, physically and mentally. I think you have to be. And, you know, after, like you say, his bell was wrong, you know, he was kind of brave enough to say, actually, you know what, I'm not going to rush into things. I need some time to to think about, you know, my family and my future. And, I, you know, I do respect that. Um, you know, as, as a kind of 
as a human, I guess. You know, I kind of wish him well. But, you know, I don't really want to see him back um, on the roster. You know, looking at looking at the future and, and the young talent we have, it would have to be a really low wage that the Bruins offered him for me to kind of be happy with him coming back. I think he could still, I think he could still produce, but you know, who knows, but I would rather look to the future. And like I say, next, next summer, if people have been complaining that it's been a quiet off season this year, next year is going to be a whole different story. So the more, the more room we have, the better. Chris, all right. You, now you, you just opened up a whole can of worms for me to talk about this. <laughs> all right. They didn't do much last summer and look at the freaking season they had. And yeah. I'm not saying I'm not I'm not I'm not getting all worked up about what you said. I'm more or less just being reminded of everybody that said, "Oh my God, another summer. The Bruins didn't do anything. What yeah. are we gonna expect? Oh, they're not gonna make the playoffs. They're not gonna do this." And then all of a sudden, you know, I gotta admit on our Black and Gold Hockey podcast, I I was that person. All right. Yeah. In in October and the halfway into November, I was that person. I was a little worried. I was a little this and that. But all of a sudden, you know, that middle of November when they played Toronto back to back, yeah, that's when it all like, oh my god, wow, this team just turned right around. Hundred twelve yeah. point season, and they all they did, they they didn't make any high blockbuster moves. They just they made pieces to the puzzle, and they stayed at an even keel, and look what happened. And I think that that's what they need to do this summer, at least to look and see if there's going to be consistency. If there's not going to be consistency by December or January, and I know that some people on here are going to be like, you say this all the time on the BNG, you know. <laughs> that's when you really ad- address the need to do something. If you really believe that you have the team and you're only one piece away from really making a run in December and January, then do it. If not, then ride it out and see where you go without yeah. overspending. That's the, the biggest thing for me is overspending. And I know that so many people that might be listening to this show are probably number one saying, this, this fucking dude's drunk. But the other thing <laughs> the other thing is, is like, you know, it, it's I'm not an all win now kind of guy. I do want a Stanley Cup. When I got my first Stanley Cup in 2011, I got a fucking tattoo on my arm about it because yeah. I was so proud about it. So freaking proud. I want another one, but I also understand how everything works as a business. When you run a team, there's many angles that you have to look at. There's not just, you know, let's do it, let's do it, let's do it. It's just let's do it, but Let's do it in a manner that can make us competitive for years to come. Not overspend, blow the freaking team up just to win now. Because if you do that, you if you have that win now mentality and you're constantly turning over your roster, I know many NHL teams don't do this or general managers think of this way, but if you do that, what you're doing is you're basically taking nine steps back in any of your development yeah. Your system's blown apart. I mean, there's nothing for you. You're literally going to be like the Chicago Blackhawks and not have like a uh, a network to watch on. <laughs> yeah, and it's really important. I mean, put it this way: if you know, so okay, right now we've got about five million to play with, and quite honestly, 
if we don't spend that now and we start the season with the current roster, like you said, see how it goes. Now, listen, if it's a complete disaster and we're getting blown away, guess what? We've got five million right off the bat that we can we can spend without having to move anybody. And if it gets really bad, we've got a number of assets. The flip side is if it goes well and we can we can get some, a, a nice string of results together, we're in the playoff hunt, which you know, I think we will be, we've still got that five million to play with further down the line without having to move anyone. So if it really looks like we're we're on the cusp of, of something great, we can potentially invest that for, you know, maybe a rental that's gonna get us over the line. Who knows? But I'm confident that this Bruins roster can can perform. They're gonna challenge. They're gonna be in the hunt. The Atlantic division is so tough next season. But, and this might be a different talking point because I'm interested on, on your thoughts, but last season, for me, we had arguably the, the best uh, front offensive line in the, in, the, in the league in Bergeron, Pasternak, and Marchand. They were incredible. Now, a lot of teams have strong first lines, but it's the depth throughout. I think we could put out four pretty strong lines. I do. Um, I think if you compare us to a lot of teams, NHL.com did their 31 and 31 series. And if you watch those videos, I would say two thirds, if not more, of the teams they talk about, they're saying, oh, this team's rebuilding. Yeah, I don't, I don't see them in the playoffs. We could be in a much worse situation, but right now we can confidently look at the season and expect at least making the playoffs. Yeah. Oh, I agree. I absolutely agree with that. And 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 when you said make the playoffs, that's about all. I'm um. Oh, I know. I'm, I know. I'm flipping sides here because what I said in the Black and Gold Hockey podcast on Sunday was was I. Don't be, I want them to see them make that that third round. I really do, but I don't believe that they have the team. I think that if if everybody can can find their roles like they did last summer, I mean last season, sorry, summer. Um, you know, like these young kids, they were inserted in the lineup when players went down, and they were like really effective. If that can happen again this coming season if any injuries happen to some older veterans then the world's their oyster i believe that they could go into that third round but it's it's that sophomore slump that i'm kind of worried about and to be honest chris i'm strictly honest with you if they take a step back and don't make the playoffs i'm not going to be over freaking worried I'm really not, and I'm and I'm not the type of person that's going to be like, "Well, wow, you're 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 wasting the years of Marshan and Bergeron and Chara." You know, if, if anything, honestly, the one player that might be around uh, for the next Bruins Stanley Cup win is probably going to be Patrice Bergeron. So don't don't count on having four or five players from from 011, you know, back on the next Cup win. I think. Bergeron is probably going to be the next one. So these young players and what they did in their roles with with the injuries and they've really surprised this this um, this Bruins organization and the fan base in itself. So if that happens and they create a little consistency next season, yeah, 
I, I, I could easily say third round, but right now, without making that explosive move, you didn't address anything on the right side. I think that they're still yeah. trying to believe in the youth that, you know, they. I think they're playing with cards, house money right now on the right side, but I think that they want to really develop a player on that right wing at a low cap space. Um, I, I don't know. I just, I really want to see him. Like, I, I'm probably not going to see another 112 season. Who knows? If they do, that'd be great. But I, I, I think that they at least make the first round, maybe a fringe playoff team. But I'm not going to be hurt. I'm not going to be hurt if they, if they don't make it. I just think that this is part of the system that Don Sweeney has been saying for the last three seasons to fans. Like, please be patient with what we're doing. People forget. Yeah. People forget that he did say that. Yeah. I mean, you know what? Here's kind of a thought. If, and I mean, you know, I'll, I'll be upset if the Bruins didn't make the playoffs. You know, I obviously, as a fan, I would be. If they didn't, that could actually work in their favor. Favor, sorry, when it comes to negotiating with players like. McAvoy and, and DeBrosk, you know, if they do kind of suffer from that, you know, sophomore slump, it may actually be a good thing in, in terms of ne- the negotiating table. I mean, if they do exceed expectations again, I think it's going to be really tough to keep this, this young core around because we have a lot of good players on that roster. And I mean, I, I, I don't know what they're going to offer McAvoy, you know, in, in a year's time. I'm assuming it's going to be big money and they're going to want to tie him down for a long time. So, really, when you when you look at the grand scheme of things, players like Char are probably going to get phased out. And I mean, I love Char, but, you know, I love him for what he's done. I still feel like he can he can contribute next season. But the reality of the, of the league now is, is we hear all the time, it's a business. And you have such small such sorry such a small cap that you really have to have to make sacrifices here and there and we've been lucky that we haven't really had to give up anyone anyone big in the last last year or two I agree and that that is a luxury when you look at a lot of teams they do have to make sacrifices and for me there's not really much point in in throwing everything onto your first line because if the second third and fourth line suck it's still going to be tough to win games. For me, if the Bruins can, you know, if they do go go out early in the playoffs, if they take it to game seven, then it'll be a bit easier. I mean, I, I don't want to see another another blowout, really, from, you know, somebody like Tampa. It, 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 you know, that sucked. But to score 112 points in a season and not win the division shows how competitive that Atlantic division really is. Oh, it's absolutely crazy. Yeah, it, I mean, it's unbelievable. And, you know, people talk about Vegas, and I mean, well, they did they did well getting to the to the finals, of course, in their, in their first season. But, you know, had they been in the Atlantic division, it would have been a completely different story, in my opinion. But, you know, who knows? When you look at roster moves, focus on the, the Capitals. They haven't really done a whole lot. Now, they won the Cup last year, and their roster has been, you know, pretty much the same. I know they changed head coach. I'm interested to see what they do next season, how they perform, because, you know, they haven't made a whole a whole lot of moves. What team were you talking about? I'm sorry. 
I, I'm sorry, reading. I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm not ignoring you. Just like there's so much shit going on Twitter right now. I'm putting you to sleep. Yeah. No, no, no. no you're not putting me to sleep. I'm paying attention. But um, no. So, so the Washington Capitals, their roster really hasn't changed a whole lot. No. Um, you know, I I think last season they were they were a bit of a wild card maybe going into the playoffs. I really didn't expect them to win the cup at least. I didn't either. I honestly. But but quite honestly, when the Bruins. When the Bruins fell, I was I was kind of rooting for the Capitals because uh, you know it was um, I like the story of Vetchkin. Obviously, it was great to see him. I think he enjoyed having the cup for a, for a few weeks. Oh but, boy! Um, you know it's interesting to see that the the, the cup champions really haven't made many moves, um, other than head coach, which I, I suppose is considered a big move. But roster wise, they're more or less unchanged. Yeah, that's, so, a, that's another um, another NHL franchise that benefits from um, strong development, and yeah. and 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 their uh, top minor pro affiliate in Hershey has been um, uh, stellar to say the least in, in 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 recent years. And as a follower of the AHL on a regular basis, and seeing those guys um, four times a year, and I, you know that and it's so weird that Hershey is so close to to where I am at. Oh, actually, where we are. That yeah. that you think you'd see that team a little bit more and 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 see that developing depth work uh, firsthand, but you you know you they have two games at, at the Dunk in uh, Providence and two games at the uh, oh I want to say Mohegan Sun, yeah I believe but, it's yeah the Mo- that's, yeah yeah that's, that's New York the Mo- Mohegan Sun Arena, Sun? yeah, not not in Connecticut, the arena is called Mohegan Sun. I want to are you searching? No, no, no. Oh, I, I thought I heard keys. Casinos in Connecticut. Yeah, it's, it's not far from me. If, if it's if they're playing at the casino, I know they have um, they do a lot of shows and stuff there. So, oh, uh, I could be way off on that one too. Man, this is good beer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah, I'm enjoying. It. I'm probably talking shit now. To be honest. Um, yeah. I just want to see this. I I really want to see this team succeed, but I'm also very very calm and patient about how they do it you know but let's see what happens yeah. i mean i mean look, look look at you know take a team like uh detroit for instance they they made the playoffs what 25 years or something ridiculous um i'm throwing that out there but like i say i'm not sure of the actual number but they made the playoffs consistently for a huge amount of time and look at their team now i mean they're in the midst of a rebuild and you know that sucks. And 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 the way the NHL is is kind of set with the cap, it's a very competitive league, you know. So it's difficult to consistently produce a roster that can compete. And for me, that's part of the attraction to the NHL. You know, you look at the NBA, and you've had the same two teams in the final for four years. That okay. You know, great for the fans of those organizations, but across the league, you know, it, it's not it's not good for the sport. Right. Whereas for me, you know, the Stanley Cup, there's so much tradition, there's so much competitiveness. Nobody would have thought if anybody at the start of the season said Vegas and Washington will be the two teams competing for the Stanley Cup, you would have laughed at them, right? Yeah. yeah exactly. You, you, they would have been sectioned, right? You know what's funny? You know what's funny, Chris? 
is I certainly wouldn't have been in Vegas to put a hundred dollars on them winning the cup. Oh, did you hear about that? Did you hear about the story? Well, somebody did that. Oh, many people did that, Chris. Oh, I mean, there were so many people that did this that the casinos called them back before the um oh right after the conference finals and they were going to the cup yeah phone calls were made and said listen you have a hundred dollar bet it could pay off big yeah. big money can we give you a hundred grand to walk away right now i oh my i'm God. sorry was it or was it 10 grand I think it was ten grand to win a hundred or win a hundred and fifty thousand. Yeah, yeah. So I think it was like take ten and um, and walk away. So I mean, that's how many people actually did it. Like, hey, what the hell? It's Vegas, you know. And, and yeah, why not? It's amazing that that the casinos got so nervous about if they actually won. The payout was absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. It is it, crazy. I mean, um, okay. So, any listeners from from England will appreciate this. But um, a few a few years back, um, I think maybe two years, maybe three now. I've kind of lost track. But in in soccer, a team called Leicester won the league, right? And that was that was absolutely unheard of. You know, going into the season, anybody who backed them was was crazy. You know. And they went ahead and win, won the league, beat all the top teams, and and there were guys, you know, that put huge bets on before the season began, saying, "Yep, I'm backing them." And you know, for the first couple of weeks, everybody was kind of laughing, saying, "Oh, you know, these guys have got bets, and you know, they're still confident." But as the season went on, you know, month after month, um, all the all the gambling companies were paying out. You know, casinos. Everybody was was begging them to kind of, you know, take these payouts. And some people persisted, stood firm, and won huge amounts of money. Really? Yeah, they were huge outsiders. And like I say, I know this is a hockey podcast, but it, it was you know it was great for for them, obviously. But for me, that's the beauty of the NHL. I mean, you know, if you were to call right now who was going to be in the Stanley Cup finals next season, I can almost guarantee that at least one of them will be wrong. I mean, it is so difficult to call. Yeah. That's, that's oh, why yeah. I love the NHL. It's such a competitive league. The odds are like when in like, um, I'm, not, I'm not a basketball guy, but like March Madness yeah. and so on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, to get a bracket completely right. I mean, the 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 the, the numbers are just absolutely crazy. Yeah. But there's always that. Well, not always, but the, I think it has been done once. But Jesus, that's like that's like winning the lottery here, and you know, five hundred fifty million dollar yeah. pay. I mean, you know, final, and then walking away after the taxes like three hundred fifty million. You don't have to worry about anything. Your kids don't. I mean, I mean, generations of your family don't have to worry about anything <laughs> after that. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. But um, what do you think about Yaroslav Halak's addition to the team and what he could do? And uh, were you uh, were you disappointed about a player like Hudobin at his age that they kind of moved out away from but brought in an older, more experienced player? 
No, not at all. I'm glad you brought this up. And the uh, the Rask haters are going to be disappointed to hear this. But listen, You're Team Tuka, aren't you, buddy? I'm Team Tuka. Hashtag <laughs> Team Tuka. Tuka. And I'm, I'm telling you, now, listen, Hidobin did a good job. You know, I, I love what he did last year. Um, I love the fact that he, he took the pressure off Tuka to an extent because he played a lot of games. But we really have upgraded in the goaltending department. If you look at it as a whole, for me, Halak is a huge upgrade. Um, I know the kind of Tuka haters out there will will probably be pleased. Oh, no. What am I talking about? The Tuka haters out there really were calling for Hudobin to get the start and drop. <laughs> but I think we have a better backup. And at the end of the day, if, if Halak t- plays more games than Hudobin did, I think that's only a good thing going into the playoffs. It takes the weight off of off Tuka. But as a whole, it, it, it gives that extra competitiveness. Now, when you've got guys competing for spots, for me, that can only be a good thing. You know, if Tuka knows he's going to be number one, even if he has a terrible run of games and there's no competition for that starting role, that's not a good thing for the Bruins. But now, I think he'll be looking over his shoulder to an extent. I think Halak is going to is going to do everything that Hudobin did and possibly more. I just think it all around it's good business. And and everybody who was calling for you know Hudobin to be the savior of the Bruins at the end of the day, money money spoke. You know he moves to Dallas for for more money after taxes. And I think it's a good move for the, for the Bruins. I think Halak will be a good. He will he will keep Tuka kind of alert, but it's a good move all around. All right, uh, Chris. Uh, we are talking to Chris Green. He is a uh, Bruins writer for the Black Gold Hockey dot com website, doing a fantastic job. Um, glad to have you aboard, brother, and um, and keep up the good work. Uh, but we're just going to take a really quick break right now because uh, i got to go down and grab another one of these uh, awesome freaking beers. So uh, we'll be right back. All right. Passion, talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Dylan Larkin. Backhand scores! Wow, what a goal! Kevin Shattenkirk. Goal! And James Van Riemsdyk were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! Hey guys, we are back. We just had to refuel. I had to go grab another one of these awesome beers, and and so did Chris. But I also want to mention that Chris has got to be the first uh, guest on this uh, Beers and Bruins podcast that brought a cooler to him. So I, I admire that, sir. Yeah, well, yeah. I'm, I'm sat here in in the front room. I had a uh, I had a four pack of the uh, the captain's daughter, but I'm about to finish that. So I've had to dip into the uh, into the Miller Lite reserve. Oh, such a downgrade! Ouch! Craft beer fans won't be uh, <laughs> won't be fans of that, but uh, yeah, That's... I was uh, the, the budget was limited. I'll yeah, tell you the I, truth. I, I, I got, you. got a good deal on those. So, understood, um, yeah, I'm man. Set to, to strap back in. Um, yeah, you know, you talk before we took the break, and you're talking about. Uh, the the impact that Halak can make, and I just um, I just want to go out on the line 
I don't do pin tweets. I don't call it and I don't say this. I don't try to make myself better than anybody else with, you know, anything like that. But I, I just want to say that maybe I want to throw out a, a prediction that I normally don't do. But the way the Tuka Ras played with Anton Hudobin last year, all season, if you look, Chris, except for the first month and a half, obviously, but a big contributor to what I'm going to say is was Hudobin, who was uh, in that role and really pushed Rask to be better for the rest of the season. Yeah. But I believe that during that time, and then when Rask really got on hot and then pretty much rode the rest of the, the year, this fucking Bruins team was at the top of the goals against and, and like almost won a Jennings trophy. You know what I mean? I mean, towards the end, yeah. they, towards the end, they kind of fell off, but it was consistently, they were in third and then they bounced to second and then third. So they were right there. So with what you said before we took the break and, and it really got me thinking about this is maybe I should call it. Maybe I should predict that this could be a Williams Jennings trophy winning team. Not saying Tuka Rass is going to win the, um, the Vizina this year. I'm not right. going to call, I'm not going to call that. Right. But as a team effort, you have two legitimate starters. And this is really the only time, I believe, except for when Halak was in Montreal backing up uh, Carey Price or, or maybe even splitting the season series, you know what I mean, yeah. with, with, yeah. with him. But I believe that he's been kind of brought into the league and, and brought to so many teams as a starting goaltender. Or, or in case we need somebody, we can rely on him as a starting goaltender. So, I think the Bruins' mentality the past couple seasons is you brought in Hudobin on a two-year deal, and you didn't want to retain him. Uh, but basically, you brought him in as a backup, and I think that that was his role that he's had for his career. I don't. I think he tried the whole starting role, and it was a massive failure. But um, in Carolina, but I, I really think that they could really challenge for a strong Jennings Trophy and. Just like so many people want to limit Chara's minutes because of his age and give opportunities to other areas, maybe Jolly McAvoy if he's willing to eat up a you know, 27, 28-minute you know, game. You, you, you want to look at that too. And, and I think the addition of, um, of Halak will give seriously give a more improvement than Hudobin last season in getting those games uh, towards the end of the year when Tuca really needs rest. Um, because if everybody else, like, like last season, honestly, Chris, right? When you, after a 112 point season, which pretty much started in, after the home and home against Toronto. Yeah. What did you really think that Rask had in the tank after that? Well, or or, and, or the rest of the team in front of him, not much. I mean, I mean, this team yeah. to me seemed like it would burn out. Yeah, I mean, I mean, but certainly before that doubleheader or you know whatever you want to call it, I think the Bruins all that kind of preseason criticism that we sort of mentioned earlier about you know what can they do with the young roster? They haven't made any real moves. I think all those critics were were just almost kind of indulging in the fact that the Bruins really weren't going anywhere. They had a very mediocre record up until that point. And then, 
you know, then Rask being dropped, of course, you know, all the kind of Rask haters or, you know, whatever you want to call them came out. And, and, and really, we kind of thought, ah, oh, this, is, this isn't going to be a great season. And then suddenly everything just kind of clicked into gear. He found a rhythm. The Bruins went on really an incredible run. And he gave a shit sandwich to everybody that freaking down. Oh, big time. Big and time. I, and, and, and yet, right, in <laughs> any sport where you have a goaltender, goalkeeper, whatever you want to call them, they're always the one to blame. Like even exactly. if, and, and I said this. I said this to uh, my boy Brian on the um, Ride the Pine Radio podcast. Uh, uh, you guys got to listen to these guys. Uh, oh, yeah. it's, it's Brian and Paul. Ride the Pine Radio. Find them on on Facebook. Find them on Twitter. Find them on. A, I'm not saying any platform, but like definitely Apple uh, Podcasts and I think Lisbon. So. Do a search. These guys are really good. Really yeah. good guys. But I was telling him that... Ah, fuck, I forgot what I was saying. Um, yeah. Tuka. Uh, damn it. He's a Tuka hater anyway. Yeah, I know. So let's fuck go on that. Fuck him. Fuck Paul. Fuck Paul. <laughs> I like it. That's yeah. funny. Ah, man. I hate when I freaking do that. I get right into a rhythm and I was like ready to go and I forget. Oh, well. Well, we we were talking about you know the, the run basically that the, the team and and Tuka went on just as that kind of Toronto doubleheader kind of fell. Yeah, and that was I mean that Toronto series was tough. There's no doubt about that at all. You know, yeah. and and it was it was it was tough the last time these teams got together when Bergeron ended it in in in, in the in Game Seven in overtime. Which was oh, which was absolutely crazy, unbelievable, absolutely yeah. crazy. One of the greatest. I mean, the second best moment to my 2011 Stanley Cup. Oh yeah, you know. Yeah. I mean, easily. I mean, the the guy's a warrior. You might as yeah. well just jump on to him. Um, what do you th- what do you think about his productivity coming up this season after going through yet another groin surgery? And do you believe that he, if I'm not mistaken, Chris, you might know a little bit better than this, but um, over the two summers ago, before last season's, um, uh, I believe it was a, was that a career year for him in goals and points? Bergeron, sorry? Yeah. Sorry, sorry, Mark. Were you talking about Bergeron? Yeah, I don't, I don't have the stats in front of me. Uh, all right, and, and, I, yeah, I think it was. Off, yeah, I'll find out. I'm not sure. I think he, I think he had a, uh, career numbers last year, but I think he also had groin surgery over the over the off season. So, I mean, I'm expecting him to almost hopefully be the same. I'm not saying yeah. I'm not going to say better. I think he might even take a step back this season, but if he's still as productive, that's still huge um, on that yeah. first line. And I, I, I honestly think that regardless of who's on that line with Marchand and Bergeron, I mean, Pasternak's always the cat. He's the cat's meow. He's going to give right. you total, total productivity, no matter what, on that first line, and it will probably, you know, be the best line. But if he has to go down the second, I'm not hurt about it either. But Bergeron just a tank, but 
I really hope that he can do it again and keep it going because I really want to see this guy yeah. win one more. I mean, he's just. He's the type of person that you could talk to and feel comfortable with. Well, everybody else in that locker room that I've that I've had, you know, interactions with, I fumble a friggin' interview. It's terrible. <laughs> like, I, yeah. Like last last week, I was talking to Zach Sanishin at the um, uh, Bruins rookie camp. That one day at the Warrior Ice Arena in Brighton, Mass. Um, I just went up to him and Zach, and do you mind if I have a couple minutes? He's like, sure. And I started talking to him, and, and I, I, I stuttered Sault Ste. Marie Greyhound so bad. <laughs> and I, you know what's funny? It's like on the train ride home, I think I said it to myself like a hundred times, and I didn't fucking fumble it. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just like, you know, I, I got you. I, got, I know where you're going with it. And he answered my question yeah. with class. You know what I mean? The kids are just yeah. a class act. But when I, when I, when I hit stop on my uh, voice recorder on my iPhone, I'm like, dude, I'm sorry about fumbling Sault Ste. Marie Greyhound. And he goes, don't worry about it, man. He was laughing. It was like, yeah, yeah. you know, it was really cool. But, you know, Bergeron's just a freaking huge class act. And I, I hope the best for him always. Oh, I mean, he's he's like the... I, I don't really think this guy wants to be a captain. I just think that he loves that... I think he loves that step down. Like, hey, if this guy can't tell you... I, I might be able to give you an opinion. I, yeah. You know, yeah. I, I think if he gets to see, I really hate saying this, but uh, I, I, I hope that he just doesn't, you know, do that Joe Thornton kind of no-show. You remember that, yeah. right? Yeah, I, I think I think somebody like Chara is just a natural leader. You know, just his, his kind of personality, persona. He's he's almost kind of born to lead. Now Bergeron, I think, thrives on the fact that, at least now anyway, he he's definitely a senior player on this roster. And I mean, his production is huge to the Bruins. That first line, him and Marchand, I I just think are inseparable. You know, the two of those are just incredible to watch. And and I understand what you're saying. Almost you you kind of don't want to burden him with the added pressure of captaincy because I think he's a, he's a very humble guy, a humble player. You know, he, he is, I don't think there's a single team in the league that would turn him down. And I think we're really lucky to have a, have a top line center like that. But he, if, if we can just get that production for another two, three, four years, ah, oh, I would, yeah, that's priceless to me. Yeah, but you also want to support support him with guys that you know can be with him and and yeah. I, I think as much as I think Marshan's going to play forever the way he plays at his age. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, he is a little dude, and I know, and I played against little dudes that that they, they have the wheels and they can cut on a dime, and it's just like they make you look silly, and that's what Marshan does. Is he, I mean, he, yeah. he uses that that speed so effectively. And I think that that really benefits and 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 gives a player like uh, Bergeron uh, a little bit of mobility, even though he's kind of you know aging. And mm-hmm. I hate I hate saying slowing down when you say when you say anything Bergeron. But yeah, yeah. What do we? Uh, how about the second line? I mean, it, now that we're talking about centers, I mean, you go down to the second line. Do you think that Krejci is unhappy? Are you feeding into any of this? 
any of this crap that he's saying, or or is it just media driven? Do you believe? I I think any any professional sport in 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 the in the the way the world is now, anything you say can be you know misinterpreted or exaggerated. I think Creighty is is still a good player. I, st- I still think he can he can produce. You know, if he has good wingers either side, then you know him and DeBros last season they they produced that that right wing is a, is a bit of a question. I mean, personally, I really don't want to break up that kind of Bergeron, Marchand, and and Pasternak line because they were just so good. And I still think that uh, somebody like Heinen maybe moving up to the first line would, would produce. But I almost just just want to kind of leave that top line as it is. See how Heinen gets on on the second line. I mean, you can always tweak it, you know, if, if it's not working out. But but Creighty really is, you know, one of these guys that's been in the Bruins for a long time. Probably Probably somebody you look towards to be a leader. You know, in in the uh, in the dressing room and whatnot, but but I still feel like he can he can produce. I know some people are kind of questioning his deal and and the kind of cost, at least towards the cap that that he is. But oh. but I, you know, I, I do I do feel like as long as he has good guys around him, there's no question that he can he can set up a lot of goals. You know? Yeah, I'm I'm a creature fan. I'm gonna tell you something yeah. right. I'll tell you that right now. I'm, I am, and I, I'm not a complainer about his money. I, I, I don't go down that road when it comes to contracts. Those yeah. the, the the Bruins management at the time made that deal. There's nothing that the fans could do. So you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I just I kind of end the conversation there, and, and I can't stand talking about it. But what I like about David Krejci's game is, if you think about the game of hockey in the past, I mean. You, uh, I'm not sure if you if you know the hockey history or not. Not you know, not saying that you're a terrible hockey fan, but um, did, do you did you did you know that um, <laughs> going up through the neutral zone, it was illegal to pass forward. So you had a rover position. I'm not sure if 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 you understand what I'm saying. Like, no, I'm with you. I'm okay, with you. all right. So you had the rover position, which was a a, a player that was not a defensive player or a forward but he played that middle and he was more of right. that 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 passing goal kind of guy yeah but everything moving forward you had to pass back and then i think it was the the late 30s or early 40s they accepted the passes up to the lines uh without you know any any calls per se so he played that he he to me he plays that rover position back there when your speed is isn't necessary you don't yeah. have to be a, a very fast player because what you're doing is is you're being that person that can carry the puck up at you know you don't have to have lightning speed to do that but you're also looking ahead to make sure that you get it away quick. Yeah. But then you're also gliding in as a sneaky player into the offensive zone once that puck crosses the line and now you're available for something nasty some somewhere and especially on the power play where that guy can move up from the line and go right, go right down oh, to the yeah. goal line really yeah. like easily, but sneaks in certain areas where you can just fi- be very effective to to on the half wall. I mean, he kind of reminds me of that Savard type of player when he plays um, yeah. that quarterback on the wall. I mean, he's just he just he, he has those hands. 
there's so many things that we could talk about David Krejci, but there's so yeah. many narratives that that bottleneck it down to his contract and his point production. And believe it or not, he's getting paid seven million dollars for what he's doing right now. He's I mean he's not yeah. getting paid to put up a hundred points every freaking season. No, I mean he was never he was never that guy, really. He was never that hundred No, guy. he's not a Crosby, he's not a Malkin, he's not and, you know yeah. yeah, he's not that type of player. He's just I don't know, I, I just think that with the term and the center depth at the time, I think the Bruins made a wise decision to yeah. do that contract. But later on in time of that contract, yeah, there's going to be bad years. And obviously with three years ago, and he's, his stats are declining and his speed is declining a little more than usual, that's expected from a player that you've drafted and you've brought up to the system accordingly and that you inserted into the lineup, which I want to see more of. Maybe, maybe yeah. less maybe less of the, the, the high contract. <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, we we always want players for cheap. But, but crazy, like you mentioned earlier, he's kind of that, almost that quarterback role, you know. He brings in the players round in, the players on his line. He brings scoring chances for them. He creates opportunities. He's always been the guy almost kind of the mastermind if you like behind a lot of a lot of plays you know he he reads the game well and yeah he's slowing down as as players as they get older do but but crazy there's no question that if you're on his line he is going to create you scoring opportunities and, and really you know what more can you want from a center obviously you want a guy who can who can play uh, defense as well, and, and get back, and, and I still feel like you know he can he can contribute in those areas. But ultimately, when if you look at a lot of games last season, when you know the Bruins were behind or maybe level, and then you're kind of getting into that third period, Krejci really knuckles down, and he can he can win those battles and, and kind of read those plays, and he brings the best in the guys on his line. I think you know everybody harps on about. Debrusque and the success he's had, and, and I really think Krejci is a big contributor to that. Yeah, um, I think that uh, I'm, I'm not into the whole advanced stats, and I'm, I'm I'm really trying to learn. I'm not a big numbers guy. I didn't do very yeah. well in math in school and so on. So, <laughs> but I'm, but like, there's people out there like Rob Volman that that can relate, and he writes books about stats and so on. And then, yeah. I, and I'm actually looking forward to getting his um, his his new book. That is, um, it's 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 for fans. It's not for the like the diehard numbers guy that just got a you know a calculus uh, degree. Yeah. But yeah. Um, it, it's more or less for like people like me, and I and I can't wait to read it. But you know, Krejci benefits everybody else. It's almost like a very unselfish player. If you yeah. if you really look at his numbers, uh, I wish I wrote this down in my show notes. But uh, if you look at his numbers, the people that play with him um, are really high either on the team in shots or the league in shots. Yeah. And yeah. I, th- I think he's in the top 10. Yeah. So, I mean, it, what he's doing is creating opportunities. And, and that's the name of the game. If you have an opportunity to make a sweet pass and get the, get the apple on a nice goal, or, or fire one into the twine, whatever your role is, 
and he's doing it correctly, don't freaking bitch about it. You know, just keep keep doing what you're doing and so on. And and I, I, I kind of respect the guy for, like, I think he got a little aggravated with the media. I think he pulled a little Timmy Thomas kind of kind of yeah. crap, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I can see that. But, I mean, I, uh, I respect these guys because I, I do hang out with them on a regular basis, but we're not, like, close, close friends. We're not we're rubbing elbows. We're not sharing information. But, you know, seeing Joe Haggerty and Jimmy Murphy um, yeah. in, the, in the, the press box, you know, especially over the summer, I've, I've been with those guys a lot, you know. I mean, Joe seemed to get on the last uh, CLNS radio Bruins cat um, Bruins beat. Uh, Jimmy Murphy was talking about how Joe like kind of like got David Krejci alone, and David kind of opened up and said, you know, he's kind of pissed off about what happened with the whole Tavares thing, and then that he wasn't even spoken to about, and that kind of got me a little worked up on like, well, wait a minute, you know, did Tavares sign here? And, and, I, and I say no. Yeah. Then, then what are you worried about? You know what I mean? Like what? I mean, I talked to Elliot Friedman, and I didn't talk to him. I'm, I'm just gonna say that I sent him a, a question on uh, Ask Thirty One on that on that um, Thirty One Thoughts podcast with uh, Jeff Merrick. Those guys do a fantastic job. I highly recommend you guys follow those guys because I'm sure they're ramping up this season. But you know, Elliot told me he's like, Mark, if if you have a seat at the table to talk to a player like John Tavares, be very prepared to clear clear cap and, and go with it at all costs. If he signs, then you have to make those moves. If he doesn't, if he doesn't, what you did was you learned so much from sitting with him that you can go into, which I believe is a better free agent class next summer, and you have those you have that knowledge and you have that you know, ability to talk to these guys and you really have when I look at the, the lower levels of, of bringing players in, now you have a facility at Warrior Ice Arena that is really attractive, that people want to go. They don't want to see a dump in Wilmington anymore. Players want to see high class everything. So I think that this is a good thing to bring these uh, potential free agents in and, and to make you know, to fit the pieces if necessary. I'm not saying it's going to happen next summer. I know they're not probably going to go out and get into Antonio Panarin or or another free agent that's available. But if you have a chance to talk to him, you have the skills needed to sit at the table with a player like that. Yeah. And, and again, you know, it, it kind of harks back to what we were saying earlier about you know, freeing up the, the space in the McQuaid deal, the Bruins don't have to spend that money before no. the you know? No, and I'm a big proponent of that, too. I'm a big proponent of having available funds just in case. Don't, like, Colin Beswick, uh, do you follow him? Oh, yeah, Colin Beswick. Yeah, Colin's a, Colin's a, a class yeah. act guy, sailing cup of chowder. He knows his shit, and, I, you know, he really does. But he also says that you don't have to be that cap team. Don't be that team that it, you're up against it and you can't make anything happen when trade deadline happens. That you literally have to do contract for contract because you don't have any flexibility in your cap space. Yeah, exactly. Can you imagine going into, you know, kind of early 2019, you know, the Bruins have a good record, 
and suddenly, you know, there's talk about having to give up like a Krejci or well, maybe not so much Bacchus, but, you know, a big contract, you know, a big trade, like, a, you know, Marchand for somebody. I can't even, I can't even imagine having to weigh that up. Yeah. Again, I think we're so lucky as an organization to have a lot of these players tied down to good deals. And not every good, not every deal is going to be a good one. But but going into the season with five million to play with is for me, it's just it's just a good platform because if you if you're achieving and you need that extra bit, you've got five million. If you're underachieving, well, yeah, we can move a few pieces and, and make something happen. It, it, you don't have to spend the money. You don't have to completely spend your cap before the season starts. And it's not a bad thing to enter the season with some with some room to play with. Yeah, and you know, and like you, another angle you have to bring in is is that thought of signing these these players that are coming under off of entry level contracts. You know, I mean, if you want to keep these players in the mix, you have to you have to pay them. And if you're not going to do it, you got to trade them. You know, I mean, everybody has a role, and and it just seems like it's getting bottlenecked. Um, like, I really want to see Jeremy Rosen, and I really want to see Jakob Sporrell succeed because I have spent tremendous hours researching these kids, um, talking to scouts, um, and watching video, and, and I spend a lot of money to get the opportunity to watch some of these prospects. That's why I kind of like love writing about prospects. And I'm not an expert. I am not a scout. I'm not an expert. I just go by eye test and my opinion. And and people like it. And I, I really appreciate that. But other people don't. And I appreciate that too. I mean, but I want to... And I'm not saying I have an emotional investment in, in players like this because I've watched them so long since they've gotten drafted. But what I'm saying is, it's like... You need to you need to do something with them. Either you make them an asset in a trade, or if you're not going to trade anybody, you have to make room for them. Because um, you know, I, I like I said, I don't see Chara coming back after next season. I I I did I kind of called um, McQuaid not being back after next season, but now that 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 scenario is gone. But like players like Zborl and Lauzon can facilitate into those into those roles somewhere in your top six I mean in your uh, your sixth defensive core um, but they just gotta have the chance to do it and in my opinion if they don't have enough games at the NHL level then what are you doing with them you know yeah exactly I, I mean the Bruins the Bruins to an extent almost run the risk of making the league better you yeah, know, it's a great thing. It's a great problem to have, <laughs> right? And it, and it is short term. Long term, obviously, you don't want to be offloading a lot of talent to the league. But but it's great to have such a strong pull. Um, you know, we mentioned earlier about the Vitrano trade. If 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 it's not working out, you know, Sweeney's not afraid to let go. You know, he 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 will he will give up an asset if it if it helps us. I, I really think. He's an underrated general manager. Yeah. Uh, you know, oh, moving yeah. into the season, you know, last year when he got to the playoffs, you know, you could argue maybe injuries got the better of us. And, you know, it, it was a disappointing way to go out. It really was, especially after game one in that series. But 
you know, moving forward, the Bruins have a huge talent pool. And for me, I, I just can't argue with this system. I, I, you know, when you compare us to a lot of teams, yes, it's easy to say that whole kind of couple bust situation. And I and I understand that viewpoint, but but really a bust can, can cost you. You know, yeah. a lot of teams go for it. It doesn't work out. You know, I mean, look, I mean, look at Dallas. You know, they've signed Hudobin. Is he going to be the starter? I'm not. I'm not sure. But but you know, with the whole Seguin and all that kind of up in the air, I'd rather be in a situation like the Bruins than a situation like the Stars or, or a lot of other teams. I just think that often, you know, obviously everybody wants success at the start of the season. Everybody wants a cut. There's no question, but at the end of the season, when you look at you look at the future, you look at the longevity of what this current system is is churning out. I really think we're in a good place to enjoy success for a long time. Yeah, and, you know, and bringing up a player like like uh, Frank Vitrano, you know, I mean, he moved on, and I know a lot of people were not happy with that being the you know the New England story, you know, being you know brought up from you know the, a pizza joint in, in the middle of Massachusetts and, and did, did it the right way through the college and did it fast I mean I remember watching the behind the B when the kid uh, he scored a college goal uh, uh, an AHL goal and an NA, NHL goal in like a week or the same year and his father was very proud of that that's awesome great story you know what I mean yeah, yeah. But, but losing him what did we really pay I mean, we lost speed. We lost a really good kid, but he's probably going to, and I've said this uh, many times before, that he probably is going to excel in another area of the NHL, uh, maybe in a lower market. And, and who knows? He might be able to be a career, uh, a career player uh, for the rest of his career in Florida. Who knows? But, you know, what I'm trying to get at is, I forgot again. But, um, you know, you didn't get him for much. He was a he was a he was a college free agent, and you signed him. And that's why a lot of people were like were pissed off when Austin Zanuck uh, walked to free agency. And I was I was too. I was, I was a big Austin Zanuck fan as a, as a as a as a person that watches every AHL Bruins game. I was kind of like, oh my god, this is actually going to happen in the agent, and he walked to Calgary. But you know what? I really didn't dwell on it for long because. I looked back and said, what do we get for him? Nothing. Yeah. You signed this guy out of the University of Miami as a free agent. So, I mean, you didn't draft him. You didn't spend, you know, you didn't have to put a huge investment into him. You paid him. He did his job. He was, he was a, stain, a sustainable asset in the developing depth as a, as a decent center. And he got you some, uh, some NHL games too. So, you know, kudos to him. But that's what you do is a role player in those developing leagues if you don't make it you know out of your draft year and you have three or four years and then the freak out happens but why did you waste it you know and i don't want to go back to that but you know i mean that's what happens though yeah and that's that's the reality of of the system i think you know sweeney wants to instill you know the youth movement there's not a place for everyone you know, at the end of the day, you, you, you come through the ranks at, at any level and there's always casualties. You know, there's players that just miss out. There's players that, that, that were never going to make it. But throughout the the Bruins organization, 
they have a competitive edge, you know, in almost every level, and and that can only be a good thing. And you know, you look at the Vitrano trade. Well, you know, things didn't work out, and, and you know what? He may have a good season in Florida, or, or sorry, a good career even in Florida. You, you you never know. He seems to be, he seems to enjoy playing the Bruins anyway. But, <laughs> but, <you know. laughs> seems like every other NHL Bruins player oh, that. Of it, you know, these guys have a chip on their shoulder because at the end of the day, their dream is the NHL, and and, and if they don't make it with a certain organization, they probably still have that inner belief. And, and when they come back to play that organization, you know, somebody like Sagan or whatever, I feel like he always has that extra edge against the Bruins, but that's the reality of it. Got a hat trick, I believe, last season. Well, there you go. <laughs> and for me, it, you know, as an individual, I can understand that. But, it, you know, again, it harps back to what we've been saying for the whole show. You know, it, it, it really, for me, if you're producing your own talent, then it, it, the pros really outweigh the cons. You know, would you rather have a guy like McAvoy on the roster or would you rather go and pay him 10, 11 million in free agency? Well, of course, you'd rather have him for, for next to nothing. And then, yeah, we can work out a deal, hopefully a long deal. But... If you look at someone like Cap Friendly, you look at the Marshan deal, and for me, that that's incredible. You know, yeah, but like that. yeah, look at the time too. Yeah, I mean the market was so different. Look at the salary cap at that time. You know, the max and the min. It's just uh, so many factors into that that deal. Now it's just like if Marshan ever came into that the league, like now, I I believe that he's a oh, he's a very well played uh, paid player. You're talking maybe eight or nine million, opposed to his oh. five now. Yeah, at least. I mean, I mean to tie him down for the 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 amount of time the Bruins did for that price. I mean, you know, obviously his his future performances remain to be seen, but for me, that is a that is a brilliant deal because this is a guy who could who could be on your top line for a long. A long time. Yeah, same thing with Pasternak. I mean, Pasternak's deal was very, oh. very friendly. And, and how many people saw that coming down, like to the eleventh hour? I mean, everybody was pretty much freaking out, like, "Oh my God, this guy's going to get nine million, and he's going to put us in cap hell." Blah blah blah. And all of a sudden, bam, he signs a contract day before training camp last summer for a six million dollar, six year cap friendly yeah. deal. Everybody's put, you know, put your heart to rest. This kid's going to be here for a little while. Yeah, it is brilliant. I mean, Pastor, his his production was was brilliant. I mean, like you say, you you're playing on a line. I mean, I feel like I could get some goals in the NHL <laughs> yeah. playing with you know, the birds are on a, a marsh. You know, but 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 this kid, he can produce. He, I really feel like he's lived up. And though I'd rather he stayed on the first line if he does go down to the second, I still think you know with Krejci and DeBrus, I feel like we're going to get production out of this kid for a long time. How about uh, defense pairings? What do you think about them? You know, this is a. This seems to be a. Or are you? Or are you, are you the, are the type of person that wants to see what happens out of camp? S- sorry, say that again. You want to? Would you want to say that now, or would you want to wait till camp's over to like figure out your predictions? Yeah, I, I mean. Because it's a crapshoot. It really is. It's tough. I mean, I, I kind of like the, the idea that we can have a puck mover 
and then kind of a shutdown guy really on each of the three lines. I mean, for me, the top line is probably the same as it was last year. I think Chara and McAvoy, um, I, I, I think, I think Chara's contribution to McAvoy's development is really underrated. Um, I think I think the two of them can still do a job. I mean, I mean, Chara's fitness at his age. Yeah, it's crazy. It's, it's unbelievable when you really think about that. You know, if you look at his plus minus from last season, it's incredible. You know, he really. You know, you talk about a player like McQuaid giving it all. Chara doesn't leave a lot out on the ice. You know, he, this 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 guy just just guns, and and uh, I think. Him and McAvoy for another season, I think, can be a, a potent pairing. And then you got somebody like Carlo. Uh, if uh, as long as he stays fit, you know, him and Moore, I could see being a a solid pair. And then you know, Krug. I mean, there's been a lot of talk about trading him, but but Krug makes a lot of stuff happen, especially on the on the power play. I mean, this this kid can can move the puck defensively, maybe a little bit suspect, but if they can find a good pair for him. You know, I think the Bruins looking forward, even if McQuaid was still on the roster, I think it's hard to, to justify starting him. Oh, it's a terrible thought, brother. I mean Yeah. I I have I have Chara and McAvoy. Yeah. Then I have Carlo and Moore. Yeah. And then I have Miller and Grizzly. Yeah. And the, and the, the reason why the reason why I want to match up more with Carlo is because if you ever like really like go back and look at uh, Moore's uh, game film, yeah. you could you could see that he's the type of player that has has the toughness to support in the defensive zone, but he's yeah. also got the very good intelligence to know when a uh, a player uh, is about ready to like fuck up or give up the puck or make a mistake, and yeah. and I think that him and Moore uh, uh, Carlo. Would be a great pairing, or uh, more in Krug, because Krug is very yeah. good offensive. Yeah, very good offensive defenseman, but in his own zone, susceptible to making a lot of mistakes. And I think that more might like like really uh, create chemistry with somebody like that because he he knows yeah. the tendencies. He's like, okay, this guy might make a mistake here. Let me fucking shift my whole plans and move that way. So, uh, yeah, just I, you know, I just my see, opinion. I could see Moore and Krug being a really, really potent pairing. I mean, I think the top line has to be uh, Chara and McAvoy. Exactly. One more year of that couple, and then yeah, we're in. And then yeah, I think they're they're virtually a lock in, and then. For me, I'm basically the same as you. Although Krug gets the nod over Grizzly, and I'm a and I'm a Grizzly fan. I think this kid is is really. I think the Bruins signed down to a good deal. I think he can really perform, and I think he just is unfortunate to miss out for me because the Bruins have such a good defensive depth. And then going back to what we said about McQuaid earlier. Can you really see McQuaid in the top six? Right. Given this roster, I, I just don't. I just don't. So dumping that salary for me, it's a no-brainer. Again, I'm 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 fully behind Sweeney on this. 
You know, let me tell you. I mean, I I am I don't have any children, so I don't know what the the whole father factor is in in my next in my next point. But you know, I saw uh, Matt Grizzlick's father at um at camp last week, and and we had a lengthy discussion. I think we talked for at least 30, 35 minutes. And such a great guy. Um, yeah. And I I did bring up the more signing, and and he immediately just came up with. That signing probably forced my boy out, which is, you know, it kind of, it was disheartening to hear. You know what yeah. I mean? And it's like, yeah. you know, you've been, that guy's been working for the Bruins. Um, well, not the directly the Bruins, but, you know, the, the people that have run the Boston facility, you know, maybe the Jacobs family. He's worked for them for, I don't know how many goddamn years, you know, and, and to have his boy at the, at the, you know, the peak of, well, not the peak, you know, he's at the NHL level where, where his dreams are being, you know, fulfilled. And then somebody comes in that's got a little more experience and signed for a long-term deal is probably forcing a player like that to sit. And that, that was tough to hear from him. But, you know, as a, as a, a person that's there as a, you know, a media member and so on, you kind of like, you know, you have to be straight up straightforward not feel bad but you know you, you work the angles and you ask him different questions and so on and like i said he was a he was such a class act to talk to but i i really hope that you know grizzly gets his time because i like the player i really do i enjoy i enjoy what he brings he does bring that crew factor on offense um not not great great you know he's not going to win a um a uh what trophy is that? Borky won them. Yeah, right. Oh, I don't even remember what trophy it's called. I'm looking to you for this. I know. <laughs> Expertise. Well, I'm a goaltender, so I know Vizina and Jennings, but um, uh, whatever. The one that the uh, defensemen get all, you know, he's not going to get that award every year, but right. you know, he's going to be that sustainable defenseman that's going to be added into the lineup once in a while and. You know, hopefully catch on somewhere in the NHL. But it was tough to hear. It's like, nah, I don't know. All right, Jesus, we've been talking for like almost two hours. It's been a while. Yeah, right? I think we're going to end it right here. Because if I actually have another one of these awesome Bear Wolf Brewery um, walk it off beers, I think it might pass out. <laughs> I was going to say, well, I, I, I polished off the captain's daughter again. Right. Uh, Graysale Brewery, Rhode Island. Definitely, uh, definitely check those guys out. Nice. And uh, a few Miller Lights in the mix. But, oh, it's been a pleasure. I've really enjoyed it. Chris Green, thank you so much for, uh, first of all, coming on to the team. Um, we, we do have a, a great writers team. Um, we do. And, uh, Jesus, we've got 19 writers and four podcasters. We're, we're, we're growing, so, I mean, if you'd love to join a person like Chris that just joined us and is doing a fantastic job, you know, send me an, uh, an email, uh, blackandgoldhockeyblog. Uh, <laughs> sorry, blackandgoldhockeyblog at gmail.com. Uh, join us. I would love to have you. And uh, follow Chris on Twitter at cgreensports. Uh, awesome! It's really cool to talk to you. Cause I actually didn't expect that. 
um, I, I forgot to look at your Twitter account. And when I was doing some research, I was just like, all right, wait a minute. I, I can't wait to hear what he sounds like because he says yeah. he's from England, living in Rhode Island. I'm like, here we go. Yeah. I hope everybody's been able to to obviously understand what I've Oh, man, if everybody can understand Rob, then you're cool. You're, you're good. We have we have no no issues on um, on people understanding what's going on when it comes to <laughs> to Boston Bruins hockey. But when you add yeah. some beers involved and so on, and you have a couple, it might be a little tough to listen. Yeah, I was worried that yeah, a few beers might uh, might uh, kind of hamper things. But no, it's it's been great. It's been great to be a part of it. And uh, you know, I'd kind of second what Mark said. Any kind of uh, budding writers out there who are kind of looking to to do their thing it's i'd urge you to join the team it's been great they've been very supportive and uh and encouraging and and giving me some really good tips so anybody who's kind of keen definitely get in touch with mark yeah i appreciate that man and it's really good to have you along um yeah we're gonna do some good things this year and i'm really excited yeah so uh chris green thank you so much for taking the time today this has been really cool it's been uh, a pleasure to talk to you um Definitely, definitely know your Bruins, and um, and more more than likely, I'm gonna have you back on sometime this um, this season. So, I'd love it. I yeah, love it. awesome. All right, everybody, please follow Chris Green um, on Twitter, and uh, and and please uh, check out the BlackAndGoldHockey.com uh, website where we feature Chris Green's work, and he does a great job. So, check him out. Uh, thanks again, and uh, thank you everybody for listening. We will. See you again on Sunday when we come back for episode 98 of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. So I'm looking forward to doing that too. So take care, everybody.